Well, how about that? I hope that your testimony this morning that uh, all your hope is in Jesus. What an amazing song and <clears throat> testimony and uh, what a great way to bring in a new year church. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I want to share with you about beginning a new year. You know, we always, or we tend to take stock of where our life is or where we're going or what's been happening at the <clears throat> beginning of a year, the ending of an old year, beginning of a new year. Uh, often we make resolutions, we make decision choices uh, based on those new years. <clears throat> and many times it's our health, our happiness, our direction. Uh, hopefully it's our, our spiritual walk with <laughs> Jesus Christ as well. We take all those in consideration and in stock. And it's really a, a good thing to do. And here we are at the <clears throat> beginning of a new year, and we have hope, right? We have hope in this new year. We look to it with expectation. We're seeing this new year as something full of potential and possibilities and things that God's going to do and things that we'll experience that we may have never before. And all these things are a part of what we what we hope for. Well, listen, we also understand because we know that there's challenges to this new year. It's not going to be easy. Every day is not going to be <clears throat> all sunshine and rainbows. And we understand there's going to be struggles and difficulties and challenges in this new year. But yet also, along with all those obstacles come the opportunity that God gives us to grow and to know Jesus Christ better this upcoming year than we ever have before. <clears throat> I think the Apostle Paul was a, a guy like that who often took stock in his life. He had times where he just went somewhere and reflected, and he thought about where he was, and he thought about what God was doing with him. I, I know Jesus was one of those guys. The Bible talks about different times he would take trips by himself off somewhere on the mountain or somewhere, and he would pray and seek the Lord and, I think, really <clears throat> examine things uh, more acutely and more definitely. Uh, that's good for all of us to be able to do that. Sometimes our lives get so busy and so hectic that we uh, rarely do that. We get caught up in <clears throat> living from one moment to, to the next. I, I know for my own life, I have to be careful whether I'm being reactive or proactive. You know, whether I'm just living day by day reacting to what's happened to me or whether I've really taken the time to be proactive to look at some of those things even before they happen. If you're not careful, we'll just get caught up in that reaction mode of life and we'll just be handling problems and struggling with difficulties and we'll feel even more the burden that life puts on us every day. <clears throat> I want to share some things with you this morning that uh, I, I really believe that are good for us to do occasionally. We don't have to wait till the New Year's. As a matter of fact, you could <clears throat> try some of these things on a weekly, monthly, semi-annually. I don't know, whatever works for you kind of way. But yet there are principles that, that are really reflective of seeking God. And so I, I, I just believe that that should be our, our desire this year's. How can we get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Paul says some things, and he begins in Philippians chapter 3. And 
we'll look at some of those beginning at verse 3, if you would, with me. And then we'll look through verse 16. He says, Though I also uh, might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I am more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel and of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless. <clears throat> but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Bow with me, if you would, and let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful to be here at the threshold, the beginning of this new year. When we even say 2022, Lord, it's amazing to us that we're here beginning this new year. But Father, I pray that we have in our hearts a deep desire that this year be significant. That this year be a year of going forward. A year of discovery in our own lives. A year of personal growth in our relationship with you. And Father, I just pray that you'll show us some things. As we focus on the truth of your word. That we can truly draw closer to you. For Father, I ask it in Jesus' name today. Amen. <clears throat> you know, as you begin to think about being here at the beginning of this year. It always calls us to something that's really important. And one of those things that are important that I think Paul points out is the idea of introspection. It's that inward look that we all need to take, right? Uh, sometimes we're afraid to do that. We don't want to look uh, inwardly. As a matter of fact, some of us don't even want to look in a mirror to see that kind of reflection. Uh, but it's necessary that we do that, that we think about who we are and what's important to us and what's going on in our life. And, and then, is that significant? Is that important? Is that God-driven or some, some other drive behind that? Uh, or is it something that really is bringing us closer in our walk and in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? So, every now and then, we need that, uh, that process of introspection, taking a look on the inside. You know, one of the greatest ways to do that, James describes the Word of God as a mirror. 
And he says that as natural people, we go and look in a mirror and we see what's in that mirror. And, and once we see what's in that mirror, if we're, if we're thinking about it naturally, then our, our reaction is often is to do something about what we see. Right? Have you guys ever had that? Maybe you did this morning. Maybe you got up this morning and, and uh, you went in and you, you looked in the mirror and you say, Wow, there's some correction that needs going here. There's some, something I, I need to attend to here before I go to church and see everybody at church. And, and so you took some action about it. Well, often that's what introspection leads us to is responding to what God shows us. And, and some of those things are, are critically important to our life and our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, some of the things that Paul points out, first of all, if you look at them with me, <clears throat> beginning at verses 3 through 11, he, he gives us some of these things. One of those things that, that he calls us to is to decide what's important. We really have to do that as believers, don't we? We have to make decisions about what's important. Uh, and, and based on what we determine as being important, then we, we make decisions based on that, or we make choices based on, on what's important. Now, Paul did a little introspection in, in these verses of Scripture, verses 3 through 11, and, and he began to look at what had gone on in his own life. And, you know, I can almost see Paul taking a piece of parchment, <laughs> sitting down and, and making lists. I don't know, maybe Paul was a list guy. Uh, when I read his writings and I see the length of, uh, 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 and the depth of some of his writings, I believe that Paul was pretty organized and he was a list kind of guy. And so, so maybe he did a tally of two columns. On the one side, he began to list some things that uh, a lot of people would think were important. As a matter of fact, uh, he did this comparison and through his life experience and uh, this list that he made may have gone something like this. First of all, he began to list things about his pedigree, about his uh, personal accomplishments, right? In other words, if Paul was doing a, a resume and trying to pass that out to somebody, here's what he would list on his resume. Here's what I've accomplished and I want you to know about. And he, he named some things that are certainly important. Uh, ceremonially, ceremonially, Paul would say, hey, I'm perfect. In other words, I was circumcised on the eighth day and uh, I kept uh, up with all the expectations of the law and all those things. And and so, uh, you know, that's a part of who I am and uh, the person I am. He, he would go on to say that he was born in the right kind of family or in the right family. As a matter of fact, he says, I'm uh, of, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, you think, well, Benjamin, so what? That's the smallest tribe in all the 12 tribes. Why is that so important? Listen, that's the king's tribe, right? It's where Saul was. It's the tribe he was from, the first king of Israel. And so... Paul maybe stepped back and poked out his chest and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm from the tribe of kings. Uh, he also said that uh, I've got the right kind of occupation. In other words, I went to the right university to get the right education, to be in the right profession. I'm a Pharisee. I'm, I'm, I'm not only someone who understands the law, but I teach the law. And, and, and so all these things, you know, Paul listed on this side of his his, his uh, sheet and uh, went through all these things, certainly important, and, and his pedigree, but also his performance. He talked a lot about what he did. He says, I'm a leader, especially when it comes to persecuting, you know, that sect of, uh, of, of unbelievers or that, uh, those heretics called Christians. I persecuted those guys, and I brought a lot of pain, and I brought a lot of spotlight on, on uh, their beliefs and things. And, 
And I took a lot of them and, and brought them to jail, and many of them were killed and all those kind of things. And he said, I was a zealot in persecuting the church, right? As a matter of fact, his salvation experience happened on one of those trips. Paul got saved going to persecute the church. He came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. So he could say, listen, I, I was really faithful to what I was doing. His life seemed, seemed perfect outward. Paul said, hey, when it comes to law, I'm blameless. In other words, you can't raise up an accusation about me, about my character, that you could really prove when it comes to what the law says about how somebody ought to live. And so Paul went on to list all these different things about himself on those things. But you know, then there was the other side of the list, right? Paul goes on and he talks about, about those things as well. But on this side of the list, you know, when it was all said and done, and Paul looked at all these accomplishments in his life, do you know what value he gave to those things? Garbage. It's all garbage. It's what Paul was saying. It's really worthless to who I need to be. To who God has called me and saved me to be. And then, then he goes maybe on the other side and he begins to list some other things on, on the other list. And, and some of those things, one of those things he talks about is the knowledge of Christ. How valuable the knowledge of Christ is. He mentions also in this the righteousness of Christ, that, that he might receive that righteousness not from the law, not, not from the flesh, not from good works, but that righteousness that's given to someone who has faith in Jesus Christ. Now listen, righteousness is, is right standing with God. It means to be right with Him. And that's a gift from God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. There's no amount of things that we could do to really put ourselves in, in right standing with God by our actions or our deeds is by faith in Jesus Christ. Because that faith in Jesus Christ is faith in His actions. In what He's done for us. It's faith in His death on the cross. It's faith in His sacrifice. It's faith in His righteousness that He gives to us as, as in that transaction He takes our sins away. And that comes by faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And, and so Paul looks at that and he says, Listen, I, I've got this, I've got knowledge and I've got righteousness, I've got fellowship with Jesus Christ. The fellowship, Paul talks about the, that I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering. You, you know, I really look at that verse and it reminds me of that I have fellowship with him because of his suffering. That there's no other way that I can have fellowship with Christ apart from His suffering. What a gift. That Jesus Christ suffered. That you and I can have fellowship with Him. And what a tragedy when we neglect to have fellowship with Him. That He paid such a high price that you and I could fellowship with Him. And what do we do with that often? We ignore it. We minimize it. We don't take advantage of it. We don't look for it. We don't hunger for it. And so Paul says, listen, I've got value 
in my fellowship with Jesus Christ. He talked about the power of Christ. He talks about the salvation of Christ and the future resurrection. All these things have value. They're important. What you and I have to determine or decide what's, what's important, right? I mean, when we do that introspection, introspection, what's important? Is it Jesus Christ? Or is it something else? So, Brother Mike, come on. That's too easy for us, right? We're here this morning. We're believers. We trust. Listen, well, let me ask you this. Do you live like Jesus Christ is the most important thing? Do you spend your time as if Jesus Christ is the most important thing? What's important? You've got to decide. Another thing about what Paul says, you see, the conclusion that Paul made is that anything else other than pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ really doesn't have much value to it at all. And so we have to decide what's important. Another thing that we need to do, if you look at verse 12, we need to, de- sometimes we have to determine where, where we are, where you are in this. You know, we need to know where we are at this present time in our walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. What does Paul say? He says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. In other words, Paul said, I hadn't, I'm not resurrected yet. I've not attained that perfection that we'll find in resurrection or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Paul says, I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I'm going to be honest. I hadn't arrived. That's what Paul's saying. And really, don't, isn't that what we need to do is just be honest with ourselves and with God? I, I, I know I'm not there yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. I, I'm not experiencing fully the very reason that Jesus Christ has died for me. I haven't attained that yet. I want to. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going there, and I'm going to, but I hadn't, hadn't made it yet. Paul was honest about his present, wasn't he? I mean, just I want you to know I'm not there yet. I want you guys to know I'm not there yet. And so Paul reminded himself of that very thing. But really the question we kind of ought to ask ourselves this morning is, well, if I'm not there yet, what's holding me back? I mean, if, if I'm not where I ought to be or if I'm not who I am, then there's, there's, there's something that we have that's keeping me from where I need to be. What is that? Could you name in your life, and not out loud, please, don't do that. But for you, what is it? What is that thing? What, what is that attitude? What, what is that reason maybe, that might be holding you back from where God wants you to be and what He wants you to be. Maybe, could it be unforgiveness? Just a thought. Or unbelief? Or could it be an attitude of rebellion? Could it be an area of rebellion? What is that thing? You know, the writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 12, and he says, we're running a race. 
And he says, be careful about the sin which so easily entangles you. I never thought about that, but I read that for a long time. And, and you see that word sin is it's kind of almost singular. <laughs> what is that thing? <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we have to identify it that way, right? What is that thing that's most holding me back in my relationship with Jesus Christ? And as Paul, he was honest about it. We need to be honest with the Lord about it. So we can move on from that. You see, we have to determine where we are in that process of introspection. It's what introspection does. It helps us determine where we are. You know, another thing also is not only determine where you are, but also if you look at verse 13, direction has to be forward. Our, our direction has to be, it can't be backward. It has to be forward. Uh, Paul says in verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself as to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. There, there he goes again, right? Paul says, hey, I'm not there with that yet either. But, but what I know is that I've got to reach forward and not, not, back, and not look backward. You see, Paul's, Paul's thought here gives us a, a lot of insight. If we just think about that visual, how many times have you fallen by looking backward and trying to go forward? Right? Stumbled over something that you didn't see because you were looking backward. Paul says we have to put that behind us and move forward in that kind of relationship with God. Paul would not be controlled by his past. You know, Paul could have said, how can I serve the church, the church that I persecuted, right? I mean, how, how could I be a, a leader in the church that I persecuted? How, how can I do that? Well, Paul could do that because he, he put those things in the past. He was forgiven. And he had accepted Jesus Christ's forgiveness. And, and he was ready to move forward. You know, in the book of Acts, right after Paul's salvation experience... Uh, the Bible says that immediately he began to go out and preach. And he began to preach the case for Jesus Christ being the Messiah. Uh, listen to what the book of Acts in, in chapter 9 says. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Uh, then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name, this name in Jerusalem and has come here for the purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? And so what they're saying, they're hearing Paul preach uh, about Jesus Christ as Messiah. And they're saying, Isn't this the guy who came here with papers and intentions to arrest Christians and take them back to Jerusalem and put them on trial? And that answer would be yes. But something happened. Something happened on that Damascus road. That thing that happened was Paul's salvation. And that salvation radically changed the person that Paul was. And now, instead of being a persecutor of the church, he became a, 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 a professor of the Lord Jesus Christ. He became someone who proclaimed the gospel to anybody who would hear. Paul put that stuff behind him, 
and he began to move forward, that's what you and I need to do. You know, there may be things in our life that's happened that we've done, that we've been a part of. Listen, when Jesus Christ forgives us of our sins, he forgives us of all of our sins. And by faith, we need to move forward. Maybe there's something that's holding you back that you need to let go of that has you like an anchor and will not let you move forward. Listen, give that to Jesus Christ. Confess that to him. And take that step forward. One other thing about introspection is that we have to, in verse 14, dedicate ourselves to the process. Because really, it, it, it's kind of a process. Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward that goal. That's, listen, the process, isn't it? It, it really is. It's, it's I, I move forward through the pain. Right? I, I, you, you know, because you see, I move forward through, through the pressure of life. The persecution, the problems, all those things... It's this, it's this moving forward. Why? Because we know as believers that all these things that happen to us, that God is using, the Bible says, for our good. doesn't always feel good, but He's using to shape us and, and to, to point us toward trusting Him. It's not an accident that you've gone through what you've gone in your life. It's not unknown by God that you've been through what you've been through here lately. But God is using that for a time to shape each of us into the people that He wants us to be. You see, that, that pressure shapes us. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's often those times of trials and tribulations that we go through that cause us to look at life differently. To trust Jesus Christ more. That brings us to a place of transformation. When God begins to deal with our inner faith and our hope and, and, and our belief in Him. And out of that inward transformation comes this outward reflection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so it's a process. Be nice, wouldn't it? God just come along and said, changed. <laughs> right. Yeah, sometimes I have. No. Immediately. Be nice. Be wonderful. If we could be completely transformed. One day we will, by the way. But not today. It's a process. God's still working on you. Just like he is me as well. And so we have to have that introspection. Well, there's another thing also, not only introspection, but, but in, in this opportunity to go forward. And, and if you look at verse 15, it's, it's intersection. Intersection. See, you know what intersection is, right? It's where two roads cross each other. You see, I think God has places of intersection that are vital for the believer, that we, we can't not have in our lives. 
And one of those intersections is in the life of the church. It's community in the church. I don't think that we'll be everything that God wants us to be unless we're involved in a local church. I just don't think there's any way to do that, according to the Bible. Look, look what he begins in verse 15. He says, therefore let us. Right? He, he doesn't say, therefore let you. But, but he, he uses it in the sense of community. Therefore let us as believers, let us do, do this thing of going forward. You see, it's the body of Christ. We, we need each other. In the body of Christ, God has so designed the church to only be effective when believers come together in local churches and, and, and serve in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifting of the Holy Spirit and, and that we do it together. We need each other. We need each other's encouragement. We, we need each other's help. And so for you and I to, to go forward in our relationship with G- Jesus Christ this year, we're going to need each other. We're going to need to do it together as, as the church. You know, there's a passage of Scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes that kind of spell this thing out. It's really in reference to friends. But, uh, you know, what are we in the church if we're not friends, right? And so it says this. You'll hear it often in wedding services, but listen to what it says, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and following. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has uh, no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You see, Solomon says that we need each other. We need community of the church to, to do this together. Not only community, but there's another thought in the church as well, and that's unity. We, we need to be united in the church so that we can all go forward together in that sense. Because you see, the church and, and each of us as individual believers, we come together collectively in the church, united together around the gospel. The church is gospel-focused. It's, it's, it becomes reaching the world for Jesus Christ. You see, what Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 isn't a slogan. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's the reality in the life of the church that we go and make disciples. And the only way that we're going to be able to accomplish that is together. It's building together on the character of Christ and His mission. That's unity. It's one thing, one reason, one purpose, one body going together. And because of that, our lives intersect each other for that purpose need that this year here in Garrison Baptist Church. And then finally, not only intersection and introspection, but verse 16 just talks about information. <laughs> we need information, right? We, we, we need to feed our, our, our minds and our hearts 
uh, with, with information and respond to that. You know, look at verse 16. He says, Nevertheless, to the degree that you've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. You see, what, what Paul's telling us here, he's really just telling us, do what you know to do already. Right? God, God will tell us more when we need more. But right now, what we ought to be doing is just what we already know to do. How, how transformational would that be in our lives as believers if we just did what we already know? I, I found out being a pastor for a while, it's, it's rarely do people need to know more. But what they need to is to do more of what they know. I, I mean... Just a thought, right? To take what we know and to live out those truths in our life. What a challenge that is today, isn't it? To, to, to be everything that God has informed us and that we already know to be. James said, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers as well. He says, to the degree we have already attained, let us walk. In other words... Live like we know how to live. And then God will give us more. More. And so there comes that thought, do what you know to do. And then at the end of verse 16, he says, let us be of the same mind. In other words, be like Jesus Christ. Right? Be like Jesus Christ. Back in chapter 2, Paul says this, beginning of chapter 2. He says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any afflict, uh, uh, affliction and mercy, affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of the one of accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than himself. Let each one of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul says, listen, we, we need to be, to be like Jesus. You see, this new year has the potential to be our best year. But I really believe that if we don't do some introspection, if we don't take a time and, and, and look inward and see what's going on, we might miss some great blessing. I know that it's going to call us to intersection where our lives cross each other's for the glory of Jesus Christ. But also, God's capped that off with that information that He's given us. We know a lot. We need to respond to what we know. Bow with me if you would this morning. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I am so very thankful today for this gift of life, for the fact that you've given us new days ahead to look forward to. Lord, help us to not get so focused on what's happened or what's going on even in the present that we can't rejoice and be excited in what's ahead 
Lord, help us to do that hard work of taking a long look inside. To join up together to fulfill your calling in our lives. To be able to learn and grow and respond and do. All those things are going to make this year a great one. And Lord, I pray for your church here at Garrison Baptist, for everyone who's here this morning, who's listening, who's hearing your word today. And we see it as a challenge and as a blessing as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you this morning.